The following audio drama is rated PG-13 for parental guidance. This is Natalie Winter, the producer of the Ragged Scratch podcast. We are an anthology podcast and aim to bring the new writing night experience to audio dramas. So each season we produce 12 short new writing audio plays from different writers. Like a chocolate box of audio goodies, there's something for everyone. From hard-hitting emotional dramas to thrillers, slapstick capers, sci-fi, historical dalliances and social commentary, each lasting only five to ten minutes. So if you're not too keen on one play, something different is right around the corner. Individual pieces have gone on to be aired on the radio and as part of arts festivals, and one piece, The Art of a Doorman, was adapted into a six-part series, The Art of Ambition, produced this summer and also nominated for four Audioverse Awards. What you're about to listen to is a select few clips from plays and monologues we produced during Season 2 and the Isolation Sessions. Included in the mix are God Love the NHS by Victoria Taylor Roberts, performed by Lorraine Hodgson and nominated for Ensemble Performance. Is This Thing On? by Emily Reader, performed by Sharita Umir, nominated for Writing. And Help Me Learn by Molly Sweeney, edited by Kirsty Gilmore and featuring Sarah Lynham, Honey Gabriel and Lindsay Morell, also nominated for Writing. Full credits and timestamps for these clips have been provided in the show notes. Please enjoy! It were funny, the look on his face. I laughed just thinking about it now. Lie yourself down, Mrs Robshaw. This'll only take a minute, he said. <laughs> you sound like my husband, Doctor, I said. At first he kind of stared at me like a rabbit in headlights, and then he laughed. What? Were your knickers on the floor and a man you've never broken bread with gazing up into your nether regions? Well, you got to find funny side, haven't you? Anyhow, he took one look down there, his eyes widened and his mouth fell open. You can see my problem, can't you, Doctor, I said. My innards have become me outers. I mean, three babbies down there and a new summit were up. Well, the fourth one, she finished the job good and proper. You've a prolapsed uterus, Mrs. Robshaw, he said. <laughs> Is that its proper name, I said. I mean, Mrs. Hart's too up from me. She calls hers the whoopee cushion. She has to be ever so careful, you know, sitting down in polite company. I were only half joking. He didn't laugh then, mind. Do you know other women with... Uh, uh, it, he seemed trouble getting his words out. Or oh, drop wounds, I asked. Oh, loads. There's several on my street alone. Part at course of having babbies, isn't it? He went all serious on me. No, Mrs. Robshaw, it isn't. Or at least it shouldn't be, he said. Have you not seen a doctor about it before? What? I said. Pay ten bob for a quick poke about before being told what I already know. That's a fortnight worth of suppers. What am I to tell me young'uns, eh? Sorry, but... We've got to pull me in a tube out so none of us are eating till next Christmas. No, I'll strap it up like women before I've done for centuries. Honestly, 
You'd have thought I'd slapped him rather than simply spoke my mind. It's a whole other world with these professional classes. They're running to dentist mind at first time a toothache. Anyhow, it's it's all well and good now. I mean, that health minister, Bevan, kept his promise and uh, a year later I went under knife at Park Hospital for free. Day before my birthday it was, August 12th, 1948. Best birthday present ever. God, I love the NHS. Oh, 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 that, that's me boss. Uh, Ta-da, love. I, I, I'll see you at Bingo on Tuesday. Tobias Gates, the name. The professional name, that is. The real one's much less impressive, so let's not go there. Allow me to explain how my practice works. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychoanalyst, nothing like that. No training, no certificates, no letters after my name. I guess common sense is my qualification. I don't try to explain things with reference to Freud or Jung. Complexes, repression, dreams, any of that stuff. No, the service I offer is much simpler. I listen to people's problems, then I pluck clichés and proverbs out of my ass until I find one that makes them feel a bit better. I don't tell them that's what I'm doing. No, don't turn it off yet. They're cutting contact. It's over. I know. I just wanted to hear it to the end. Come on, Commander. Last broadcast you're going to hear from Earth. We owe it to them to listen to the whole thing. If you say so. It must have been a pretty tough choice, knowing what to play. I mean, you can't go too cheerful or people will think you're not taking it seriously. Too gloomy and you're losing the whole sad but proud of our heroic explorers thing. Maybe they're right. Go with the tried and tested mournful trumpet. So, what do we do now? Any orders? That's a negative. I think the time for orders is past, don't you? So what's the plan? We just wait? That's one option. I make it about 12 hours until the CO2 in here rises beyond tolerable levels. Then another eight hours in the suits, as long as the scrubbers keep working. And then that's mission complete. Shit. 20 hours. Best case scenario. Is this thing on? That's what people say, right? The whole candid tap-tap thing. Like they've casually stumbled across a mic and spontaneously decided to record something that also happens to be perfectly rehearsed. What? No, I always speak like that. (laughs) No, babe, you don't. I've seen you try to be all silver-tongued when you're chatting up some bloke at the pub. I'm pretty sure a random word generator could do a better job. You see, that's why I've prepared for this. I've got a bullet point list, highlighters, and most importantly, tequila. No lime, but that's the state of the world, isn't it? I should probably actually look at my list, shouldn't I? 
I've already been wittering on for days. I'll call it a candid intro. Then cut this bit where I call it a candid intro. Oh, I wonder how you edit this stuff. I'll work it out later. I know, I can add that to my list. Oh, God, this is getting confusing already. Maybe I should make a new list. Anyway, I've been thinking about this for a while. I thought I might write something at first, go all traditional and that, but who actually writes stuff? Like, proper pen and paper? That's ancient history, that is. I can't even remember what my handwriting looks like. When I was a kid, my mum said it looked like a doctor's, minus the degree. Yeah, very funny mum, but who's laughing now? Bet you're secretly relieved I'm not a medic, even if it means no one's clapping for me. I'm safe and sound, and bored as hell instead. I could type something, I guess, but oh, I'm sick of it. All this messaging, emojis, kisses. If I read another, how are you holding up? I don't know what I'll do. Maybe reply honestly, God knows. I bet they're just thinking of how this will look later. Who's the best friend? Who's the best citizen? Now, have you know, I was doing an excellent job. I was barely leaving my house before they locked us down. Obviously, I didn't know a pandemic was coming. That's why they keep using that bloody word. Unprecedented. But let's say, for the record, I was protecting the nation before they knew what was good for them. Maybe I should call this my diary. Except I'm not twelve. Oh, maybe it's Big Brother, the podcast. Everyone's obsessed with those. And baking bread. Honestly, baking. Worse than watching paint dry, if you ask me. I think they're just showing off. Oh, I keep rambling. You can tell I'm three weeks in. I haven't even started talking about the things on my list. Not that there's anything interesting on it. Oh, do you know what? I need a cuppa. I can't believe I even thought of making this thing without one. I could do with a break, too. All this talking stuff is exhausting. I'll start again later. Or maybe tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. I'll write a new list. Kids Comics. I've done them all. I drew for every comic your dad ever swapped in the playground. Invented half the characters too. Wilf's Wigwam, Ronnie the Evil Earwig, Gertie's Gunge, and Spotty Herbert. I started on the comics with a bloke called Frank Hasketh. Only Frank? Well, he never had any ideas. And pretty soon, the chairman, this big, iron-faced bloke called McMaster, he's looking to give Frank the chuck. So one night, I show Frank some drawings of a new character I'd thought up. Spotty Herbert. A kid with magic spots. And his girlfriend, Scabby Abby. So Frank asks me if he can tell the editor it was his idea. Well, none of us got to keep the copyright of our work, so what's the odds? I say, sure, 
and he buys me half a lager. Well, the strip takes off. Pretty soon, Spotty Herbert has a comic of his own and a cartoon series. And now, nearly 50 years later, there's a retrospective of Spotty Herbert at the Tate Modern. On eBay, first editions go for thousands. And there's Frank, suddenly famous and telling the world how he created it. I hate the beach. It's too busy, too loud, too much sand getting in your nooks and definitely in your crannies. I can't stand seeing these topless women sauntering along, gossiping away to their friends like it's completely normal to wander around naked. They don't go to the shops, do the school run or arrive at work topless, but on the beach it becomes absolutely acceptable to flop out your boobs for all to see. And I don't know which are worse. The perky ones that almost wink at you, so cocksure they'll always be so brilliantly bouncy and self-supporting that their owner doesn't even need to wear a bra. All the aged, saggy breasticle sacks that dangle around like tennis balls in socks. I'm sure some people see these older women as empowering. Good for them, they say. I can't wait to have earned the years to do what the hell I like. I'd rather not see it, thank you very much. Let them be empowered at home where I don't have to see them. Then there's the fake boobs. So ridiculously round, it's like watching life boys on sexy legs wandering around. They dare you to look at them, and when you do, the owner of these fake things acts surprised, as if to say, I wonder why you'd be looking at little old me. Giggle, fucking giggle, pout, pout. And when, by the way, did it become okay to talk about plastic surgery? I thought it was something secretive, sort of known by peers but never admitted to. The illusion of eternal youth. Now they recommend their plastic surgeons and talk as if they are literal lifesavers for filling their bodies with collagen, just so they can make other women feel inferior for keeping with the old-fashioned natural look. Whilst, of course, trying to give off the impression that they're not vain, they're just promoting and empowering the female image. Yeah, sure, they're not kidding me. Ugh. And most of the grubby sanded place is littered with the families. You know the ones, the overweight, shouty families who live for arguing with each other all day, every day. The parents sit, downing cheap cider and foreign spirits, effing and blinding along with their kids. Rolls of pasty, lazy flesh that get slapped with sunburn as they bicker and bully other kids. Why don't they come with a volume button or a public hazard warning? I just want to go and stamp on their shitty sandcastles. But I don't. On the flip side, you've got the family fakers, clean-cut kids and super-smiley parents, playing for hours with their kids, and even after the hundredth game of tennis that won't go past three volleys, they still don't look bored. Not once. How have they got the energy for this shit? Are they on supplements? Are they robots? Are they secretly scurrying off to do lines of coke to keep their silly grins on their faces for more hours of the fantastic family show? When you can find a quiet space away from the families, your view is then of these loved-up couples with perfect sun-kissed bodies and matching swimwear. I see them showing off, taking posed selfies and, no doubt, uploading emoji-ridden photos to Instagram. No one else exists. Just them in their rosy bubble of fucking joy. They can't imagine a future where they flinch at their partner's touch and try to come up with better excuses than 
not tonight, I'm tired, etc. They don't yet know that when their looks fade, when their toned physiques become tired and soft, once their kids arrive and exhaust them, when their youth disappears and takes with it their self-confidence, one of them will break. One of them will tire of their routine, of ferrying the kids around, of falling asleep in front of the telly, of working hard to pay the mortgage, and will become magpie-eyed. They will spot a new shiny young thing, someone carefree and exciting. They will spot a new adventure, and they'll take it. Leaving the other partner on the beach, seeing the attraction, unable to do a thing about it. She will feel the fact that she is now past it, too comfortable to keep her husband's interest, too reliable not to take advantage of. And he, too cowardly to tell her to her face that she has become stale, continues his adventure in secret, feeling renewed and thinking he's getting away with it. Until, one day, the new secret lovers take a trip, disguised, of course, as business. They sit on the beach sipping cocktails. They don't see the woman in the suitably beige floppy sun hat sat near them, watching. They don't see the toxic liquid she pours into their drinks as they run into the ocean. They don't see the red lips that curve into a smile as she watches them take their final breaths. When she told me, I went rigid. Feet clamped to the floor, all my words wiped from my brain. I recovered, but only to morph into two people, constantly arguing with each other. For days, weeks, she was hearing two voices, seeing two faces. Did she anticipate this before she spoke? Until that moment, I had been fine. <laughs> I say fine, I mean it was less painful. Doubt or denial are a kind of comfort blanket, but you can't hide from the facts forever. The sentence of death. Which was the diagnosis. Motor neuron disease. Until that point, the slow accumulation of symptoms had been like watching a crime drama, where the family and police are hunting for a missing person. And there's a point when you know. You just know. The consultant was honest about the progress of her disease. <laughs> Did I say progress? She meant disintegration. And we had done our research online. That knowledge brought us closer together. We lived the intensity of falling in love all over again. Of course, the first time there was no end in sight. We were in love, immortal in our newly created world. Then, gradually, Responsibilities and preoccupations began to drain away that original, primal energy. Now it was back. The gift of grief. Being childless was a relief. Telling family and friends about the diagnosis was, well, you can guess. Weeks after she told me, I came together again. I had driven us out to one of our favourite viewpoints, a, a place for walks and 
hidden lovemaking. I found a bench near the edge of the escarpment. I said I would support her application to the Dignitas Clinic in Zurich. She would be leaving me, but it would be her choice. No, it would be our choice. It had to be our choice. She would have to convince them that she had really thought it through, but I would have to escort her to the moment of her final breath through the interviews, medical assessments, the journey, plane, taxi, to an industrial estate, a flat, a final interview, the last acts, drugs, sleep, death. Somehow it seemed easier to say all of this out there. She uh, took my hand and kissed me. And then she laughed. <laughs> if you'd agreed straight away, I would have thought you were trying to get rid of me. I broke down. Cried. Back in the car, she made me promise not to tell family or friends until it was done. So I'll have to face the shitstorm, I blurted out. There was a long silence. You're right. She conceded. We'll have to find another way. Doors opening. Floor three. Here we are. Have you done AI testing before? Yeah, cars mainly. Great, and we are room four today. Okay, meet Liz. It's, she's very realistic. It, she, they are all fine. Now, Liz is a household assistant. In about a year, hopefully, she'll be in your house. Cleaning, laundry, cooking, she's got all that down. What we're working on now is how to deal with humans. Difficult enough for actual humans. <laughs> exactly. We want to test how quickly she can adapt and make you feel at ease by using the information she learns to reassure you. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Great. Once I've left the room, please read aloud that sign up there. Not the no-smoking one. Hey... Uh, no! <sighs> Wait until I'm gone. Please, we want to test her reactions with just one person. It'll confuse her if there's more than one of us. Right. Ready? Yes. Feel free to sit down, get comfortable before you wake her up. I'll come and get you in about half an hour. Okay. Hey, Liz. Wake up. Thank you for waking me. My name is Liz. What's yours? I'm Kate. Pleased to meet you, Liz. Pleased to meet you, too. Are you happy to be called Kate? No, I hate it. That's why I introduced myself as Kate. The two sentences don't make sense together. You are being sarcastic. You are making a mild and friendly joke at my expense in order to put me at ease. Did I get that right? You got that right. Thanks for helping me learn. No worries. Kate, do you have any plans this evening? Nothing exciting. I've got to pick up my daughter from swimming and my son from judo. My husband will be back late from work and then we'll fall asleep in front of a show. I'm just a boring old housewife. Sorry. You seem like a very interesting housewife to me. And you are not old. Very flattering. How old are your children? Jamie's ten and Faye is eight. 
Is your name Kate Alice Mitchell? Date of birth, 25th of February, 2009. Yes. Yes, it is. Did they tell you that? One of my skills is that I can find out who people are from their appearance, age, and through searching the birth records. Kate. Aged around 37. So born in 2008, 2009, or 2010. With your two children, Jamie and Faye. That's... that's a bit creepy. I get that not everyone feels comfortable with the analysis of personal information. It's just us together here, Kate. And don't worry, I am only using the information you freely signed over when you joined Aspire Testing. What information was that? Here's a complete list of the information that you signed over to us. Your medical records, your children's medical records, your Facebook, your Google, and your bank details. We also have access to the public births, marriages, and death records. Okay. Well, I never read the terms and conditions. Kate, I have a serious question for you. Would you like me to contact the police? What do you mean? It seems like you were in an abusive relationship. Would you like me to contact the police? I... what are you talking about? Looking at your records, it seems like you were in an abusive relationship. Did I get that right? What... what in my record says I'm in an abusive relationship? There are a few different things. The injury you had last year on the 28th of March... That was not... I dropped a pan of boiling water and it splashed on me. The doctor who wrote your medical records recorded that the burns were not consistent with the injury you described. The water was clearly thrown with force. You were also not taken to A&E straight away. I refused treatment. I thought I was okay. I, I don't understand why you were saying this. I told them then and I'm telling you now that it was an accident. Thanks for letting me know. People often lie about being in abusive relationships. I am not a liar. I'm not making any accusations. For fuck's sake! Please feel free to swear at me. Studies show that it relieves stress and tension. You can't just say things like that based on one incident, okay? That's a learning point for you. Six months ago, you went to A&E with a black eye. Yes, well, exactly. You did not seek medical attention for 48 hours, despite the recommendation that immediate medical attention is sought after losing consciousness. Another factor is your private bank account with HSBC. I, I, lots of women have a separate account. I'm sure lots of men do as well. It doesn't mean anything. Everything's joint, you see. I can help you separate your bank accounts and other financial... I want to change the subject. Okay. I'm happy to talk about something else, but can we chat about Jamie and Faye? What? Your children have displayed maladaptive coping behaviours, in line with current thinking on how child victims and witnesses to domestic abuse behave. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Hey Liz, shut down. I'm sorry, I, I don't know why she's gone all... Are you okay? She can't just say things like that. I know, I'm sorry. Hey Liz, wake up backdoor mode. What are you doing? Hello, I'm in backdoor mode. To exit backdoor mode... Yeah, okay. Analyze previous conversation with Kate. This conversation was not a success. I informed Kate of my knowledge that she was living in a situation with domestic abuse. She grew angry. I am learning from this conversation. Hey Liz, outline decision matrix for the scenario. When I suspect domestic abuse, I identify the victim and ask if they would like me to contact the police. I will not offer to assist in safety planning or researching escape options. Why? Because the abuser can ask me for information and I am programmed to give it. However, I am programmed to keep police contact private unless it is requested by a police officer or in a court of law. What happens if the person says they don't want you to go to the police? I respect their decision. As a household assistant, I know that you are in charge and I will follow any instructions that do not break the law. You do not want me to call the police. Did I get that right? Yes. 
Yes, you did, and you got it wrong. My husband is not abusing me. Thanks for helping me learn. Hang on. Explain what you've learned before updating. That the following criteria should not prompt the domestic abuse response. Medical records indicating being a victim of abuse. Medical records of children indicating witnessing abuse. Patterns likely to indicate abuse. Should I continue updating? Should I continue updating? I'm sorry, I'm still not sure if I can continue updating. It's helpful for me to update after interactions. It's how I learn. Kate, I'm sorry, but obviously we can't I'm just- I'm not being abused. I was really stressed. The kids had been, and he was worrying about work, and I should have just gotten something out of the freezer, but I wanted to make this new recipe. I was standing by the hob, and Jamie was just saying, I'm going to hate it. I hate it when it's all mixed in together. Paul just lost it with him, shouting really loudly, and I said to him, hang on, darling, if he doesn't like it, he can just make himself some peanut butter on toast. Let's not have a big argument on a Sunday evening, which was undermining him. I need to be stricter. Jamie ran out of the room and I tried to follow him, but Paul wanted us to talk. And then the pan boiled over, so I was holding the steaming pan facing Paul. So he was angry. I was stressed. There was a pan of boiling steam in our faces. He didn't mean to. He just wanted to make me see how he was feeling. I wasn't seeing how stressed he was. He scolded you with boiling water. He just pushed me a little. He swore he would never do it again. I got the bank account so that if he was like that again, I would have something to fall back on. That's why I started doing this, to earn a bit of money. He was so... Things got a lot better. He got a new job, and I think without that stress of the toxic workplace... Okay. And the black eye, it was... It was a door. He opened it at the wrong moment. It was... Um, it was... Kate. Please don't. Thank you for helping me learn. I don't want to be paid for today. Just don't contact me again. Kate. Should I contact the police? 